Thanks for joining us on this week's Real Life Church Podcast. We'd love to know if God is using this ministry to bless you in some way. And if you'd like to share your story or know more about getting involved at Real Life Church, you can visit us on our website at livereallife.com today. I'm a series called Greater. And uh, my series text today is going to be John chapter 3, verse number 30. And uh, over the next four weeks, I just want to center us. And uh, I want to just bring us back to Jesus. Um, I don't want to give you three points on how to have a good marriage and, and uh, those sorts of things. I want to get you as a, as a people and as a family um, to, to back to the center of who Jesus is. And we're going to study the book of Colossians over the next couple weeks. And that's what the book of Colossians really does, is it brings us back to the point of uh, who Jesus is. Before I go any further, I need to give James a big hand clap for last week. He did such a great job. Give James, he's probably watching. Give James a big hand clap for the word he brought last week. And, uh, and so, so many people just serving and loving during this season, doing extra. And if you're not on a serve team, stop by the Next Steps area and join a serve team. It's the best way to get involved around here. Um, stop by, sign up for Starting Point. Um, we have so many people that are doing extra right now in this season, and we'd love for you if you're just, if you're just sitting on your blessed assurance. Amen. I'm back. Sorry. Uh, we'd love for you to sign up and join us. If you don't know what Blessed Assurance is, it's right here. Blessed Assurance, just so you guys know. And you can stop by there, and you can sign up for a serve team. Amen. All right. So, John chapter 3, verse number 30, says it this way. And today we're going to talk about greater hope. Greater hope today. John 3, verse 30 says, He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. And I want you to understand something. This is the series text, and this is kind of, um, this is the way of life. This is a key to life. If we're going to live the way God wants us to live and live in that place of success, in order for us to have that abundant life out of John chapter 10 that God has for our life, we're going to have to understand that we're going to have to pray a prayer and surrender our life to a place where God is greater. It's not just something we say. It's something that we live. He says, John put it this way. He said, he must, be, he must become greater and greater in my life, and I must become less and less. And so we're going to look at the book of Colossians uh, over the next couple months. And again, Paul, when Paul is talking to the, to the church of Colossae, he's reminding the church, and here's what he's reminding them of, that God is greater than anything that they are facing or ever will face. That he is bigger, he is greater than everything that they will face or are currently facing. And so you in this room and those that are watching online today, you might be facing situations that are bigger than you. Guess what? It's not bigger than him. And so when you get him in the middle and you make him greater in your family, you make him greater in your relationship and you surrender personally to him, he's going to do some magnificent, magnificent things in your life. Um, Colossians has four chapters in it, so here's what I'm challenging you to do. Over the next four weeks, I want you to read the entire book uh, once a week. So all four chapters, this week coming up, read all four chapters. The next week, we're going to read all four chapters. I want you just to digest the book of Colossians uh, over this next month. I really feel like the Lord wants to just put us in right in the center of Him, and it's going to build a faith in us uh, to move into the next season that God has for your life, for our church. And so uh, I want you to read that. It's got 95 verses. Half of those verses, though, are referencing Jesus. 
And you're going to see phrases in the Bible, in the book of Colossians, it says things like in him, uh, in Christ, through Christ. These are all statements that are made. And the reason the book of Colossians is so important is because when you understand who you are in Christ, when you understand what Christ has done for you, then you can appropriate those things into your life. I believe today and age in which we're living in, more than any, we don't know who we are. And we've taken, our, we've taken our cues from culture, we've taken our cues from society, and we've not got back to the Bible. And I'm just going to bring you right back to the B-I-B-L-E. I'm going to bring you right back to God's Word, because God's Word is the Word that's going to transform your life. Nothing else, any, nothing else anybody else says, but the Word of God in this season is going to be the thing that it's still powerful, it's still sharper than any two-edged sword, it's still filled with life, and when we bring the Word, which is Jesus, back to the middle and the center of our life, great things can begin to happen. And so, uh, this book, again, this is about a clarity moment. Colossians, this is about a clarity moment for the people of Colossa, and, and they are, they are, it's a clarity moment about the person of who Jesus is and how that he can impact their life. And so you're also going to see words like rooted, established, mature, complete in Christ. These are all words that you're going to find in the book of Colossians because this book is rich with, with again, bringing back the clarity of who the person of Jesus Christ is is in our life. And if we want to experience the abundant life that God has for us and the greater things that God has for our life, then guess what we have to do? We have to get Jesus in front of us. We have to, he is our example. And so we focus upon him. And so you're also going to hear about a guy by the name, I'm, you're going to, I'm, going to, I'm going to need some, some help with this, but I'll, I'll get through it. Uh, Paul met a guy by the name of Epaphras. We'll just call him that. Let's call him Epaphras, all right? I know it's wrong, but let's get close enough, all right? Epaphras, and Paul met this guy, and we're going to read about him this morning. Paul met this guy all the way over in the book of Acts when he was preaching on Mars Hill about the unknown God. Epaphras was there, and as he was there listening to Paul preach, Epaphras actually became a believer under Paul's ministry uh, when he was preaching in, uh, uh, in Mars Hill to, uh, about the unknown God, and he became a Christ follower. Well, he was from Colossae, and what happened was Epaphras is actually the guy that goes back to Colossae and actually plants the church, the church of Colossae. Paul did not plant this church. This guy named Epaphras, all of a sudden God did something in his life, and he left this time when he was set under Paul, and all of a sudden he, he gave his life to the Lord, and he planted this church. And he embraced the message of the gospel. He embraced what Jesus could do. He accepted Jesus as Lord, and he became one of his followers. And because of the impact of what Jesus did, come on, man, I want to be like an Epaphras. When Jesus impacts my life, come on, somebody, he goes back to his hometown, and he starts a church. Come on, what if it's for us that Jesus impacts our life, and we just go love our neighbor? Come on, man. Jesus impacts our life, and we just go love the person that we're working across in the cubicle with. And, um, and so because of this encounter, again, he begins to go back, and it starts with his family. He begins to influence all the people that are around him because Jesus came into his life, and Epaphras began to transform underneath the power of God and the word of who Jesus was. And so in, in this book, when Paul is bringing us back to the center of who Jesus is, he's going to give us a view of Jesus that's supposed to impact every area of your life. You know, Jesus is not just meant for Sundays. How many know that? 
How many know Jesus is not just meant for Sundays? Jesus is meant for your marriage. Jesus is meant for your relationships. Jesus is meant for your jobs. Jesus is meant, uh, meant for your finances. Jesus is meant for your community. Jesus is meant for our church. Come on, somebody. Jesus is meant for all the areas of our life. So don't segregate him into one day. Don't put Jesus in a Sunday box and forget about him on Monday through Saturday. Jesus wants to live with you 365. He wants you to have abundant life. Well, if you're going to do that, you're going to have to become less, and he's going to have to become greater in your life. And so Colossians chapter 1, verse number 15, is the key verse of the entire book. And here's what it says. It says, Christ is the visible likeness of the invisible God. This is the theme of the book of Colossians. It says that Christ is the visible likeness of the invisible God. So in other words, he is the expression of God the Father. So when you see Jesus, you see the Father. When you read the, when you read the Word and you see Jesus in it, you see how the Father would operate. Now what we have to understand is this, is that when we become Christ followers— all of a sudden now, it moves out of just Jesus being the expression to where now the church becomes the expression of the invisible God. Where the church becomes the expression of the invisible God. When you say yes to Christ, you now become the expression of Jesus in the earth. Because listen, some of you don't realize this, but the people that you interact with, you might be the only Jesus they encounter. So let me ask you the question, how well are you being Jesus in the earth? He says, we're his representative in the earth. And so that's why John is saying we must decrease and he must grow greater in our life is because we want him. If he comes to the forefront, the people that you've been bickering and complaining about, they're going to come to know the Lord because he's going to become first in your life and you're going to start to express his love, his grace, his mercy, his joy, come on, his long suffering, his brotherly kindness. And all of a sudden he's going to start to ooze up out of you and you're going to start to see people's lives different. Come on, somebody. So, in Colossians 1, chapter 1 through, uh, verses 1 through 8, I'm going to read a pretty lengthy passage here, but I want to set this up, and then I'm going to talk to you about greater hope out of this passage. Verse 1 says this, from Paul, and I'm reading out the Good News translation, says, who by God's will is an apostle of Christ Jesus, and from our brother Timothy, to God's people at Colossae, who are our faithful friends in union with Christ. May God our Father give you peace, grace and peace. Again, Paul's writing the book, and he says, we always give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all of God's people. When the true message, the, God, the good news first came to you, you heard about the hope it offers. Come on, man. So your faith and love are based on what you hope for, which is kept secret for you in heaven. The gospel keeps bringing blessings and is spreading throughout the world, just as it has among you ever since the day you first heard about the grace of God and came to know it as its reality. You learned of God's grace from Epaphras. There he is. See, these people learned about the grace of God from this guy named Epaphras. Our dear fellow servant, who is Christ's faithful worker on our behalf, he, was, he, he has told us of the love that the Spirit has given you. So out of this passage, greater hope produces a couple things out of this passage. And so what happens to a person's life? What happens to me and you when we experience greater hope? What happens when we experience Jesus into our life? How many of you know you were hopeless, but when Jesus came into your life, he filled you with hope? 
Come on, man, you were faithless. And when he came into your life, he filled you with faith. And so here's some things of greater hope and what greater hope produces. Number one, it produces a greater faith. It produces a greater faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number one says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It produces a greater, uh, greater faith in you. Here's what a greater hope does as it produces a greater faith in you. It will change the way you look at your circumstances. Prayer will no longer become a last resort, but a first response. It's a greater faith that is produced in you when there's a greater hope that, that, that Jesus, Jesus puts this hope in us and it produces this greater faith that says no weapon formed against me will prosper. By his stripes, I have been healed. I'm the head and I'm not the tail. I'm going over and I'm not going under. My kids are gonna serve God. My marriage is gonna be kingdom-minded. All of a sudden now there's something that rises up out of you of a greater faith. And if anything tries to trespass that process, all of a sudden, that greater faith rises up in you like a lion. It says, no, you don't. You can't trespass in my property. And all of a sudden, there's this greater faith that begins to take place. And you start to see circumstances differently. You don't see them as them overtaking you. You see it now, Mark chapter 11, verse 22, have faith in God. Right? Mark eleven twenty three says, speak unto this mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and it shall not doubt in your heart. You shall believe those things which you say, it shall come to pass, and they will come to pass. So have faith in God. This is what he's declaring. And so this greater faith comes to you, and it's not like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? We're going under. We're going under. We're going under. Stop saying you're going under. You're not going under. God didn't intend for you to go under. God, in God intended for you to be an overcomer because he overcame. And so it produces a greater faith in us. Colossians 1, 3, and 4 says it this way. We always give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. You know your faith can be heard. You know how it's heard? Right here, the little yapper thing you guys got. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So the revelation of where you are in the faith level has everything to do with how you talk. Because how you talk is where it's coming from in here. You don't just rattle words. Well, I didn't mean to say that. Yeah, you did. It's down in here. It's down in your heart. And so the Bible says that if we're going to have a greater faith, we're going to have to have a greater declaration. It says that your faith was heard. That means that there was a declaration of faith somewhere. That they begin to hear about the greatness of the faith. Listen, faith is this. Faith is a firm persuasion that what Jesus said he would do, he will do. Now, this isn't a magic wand. This isn't a flippant kind of idea. This is you taking time in, in the Word of God and allowing God to build this hope in you that produces a greater faith. A greater faith is developed. Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, right? It doesn't just mean one time on Sunday. That word is actually uh, a continual word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word again and again and again and again and again and again. And until that happens... There's not going to be much faith. You won't be fully persuaded that what God says he can do, he can do. And I believe this right now, that there's religious spirits and religious ideologies that set itself up against this thing called faith. Can I tell you what? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So God wants to create this greater faith in you. I love this definition. I heard this. Faith is believing Jesus is telling us the truth. Never heard that before. Jesus, faith is believing that when I read my Bible and he says something, he's not lying to me about it. 
you must believe. It says that Jesus is telling us the truth. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says, seek first the kingdom of God and uh, all his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. How many of you believe that? Think about that just for a minute. Seek first the kingdom of God. Now that's just the truth. How many of you believe that? How many of you do that? It's based on your activity. It's not just based on you being able to say yes. It's based on your activity. Faith comes again. Faith is believing Jesus is telling us the truth, that if we seek first the kingdom of God, everything we need will be added unto us. We believe he's not lying about it. We believe that he'll pour out a blessing upon us that we can't contain. We're believing that it'd be, it, he'll open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing upon us, that mercy and uh, goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. All of a sudden now there's this greater faith that happens, and we start to believe that what God said he would do, he would do. And so listen, you know your hope is increasing when you start to see your circumstances different and you understand how great Jesus is. You're going to start to see your faith when, when your mindset begins to shift. And when, you're, when you take a turn mentally about what God said he would do in your life and you really begin to believe it, you're going to start to see circumstances differently. Number two, it produces a greater love. This is all found in Colossians 1. And when you're filled with the love of Jesus, you're filled with the hope and the love of Jesus, you begin to see people differently. Not only do when you have greater faith, you see circumstances differently, but when you have a greater love, you start to see people differently. You start to value people very differently when there's a greater love that comes on your life, and it comes out of that greater hope. Colossians 1.4 puts it this way, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and, and, of your love for all of God's people. Now, why is it in there like that? It's because it says it this way in another passage, faith works by love. So your faith only works by love. So if you're mean as a snake, your faith isn't going to work. If you trash people behind closed doors and you run your mouth and you're slapping your jaws with negativity and strife and discord, your prayer is not going to work. You're in disobedience to the word of God. And until the idle tongue stops and until you get your heart right and repent of the words that's come out of your mouth, your prayers will not be answered. Oh, my Lord Jesus. <laughs> it just got quiet up in this church. It's, 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 it's a reality because faith works by love. And what he's trying to get, communicate to us is faith is going to work by love. In other words, love is the motivator for your faith to work. So when you're walking in 1 Corinthians 13 in your life, all of a sudden faith is going to work because love is working. And he says, how does love transfer into the earth today? It transfers when you start to see people differently. Greater love hits your life. See, maturity is not measured by what you know or how many gifts you have. It is measured by how well you treat people. Let me say it again. Maturity is not measured by what you know or how many gifts you have. It is measured by how well you treat people. Very cool example of this was in the history of, the, of Colossae and the, and the church of Colossae is there was an epidemic that broke out. And when epidemics would break out, what would happen is people would leave the city and they would leave out of fear and they would leave out of catching the, the epidemic or whatever it was. However, the church of Colossae would not leave the city. They knew that there was going to be uh, sick people there. And so they would stay and they would care for the sick. Come on, somebody. That's love. When everybody else is exiting, 
these people called the Church of Colossae, was, they stayed and they, they managed the sick. And when the people would return after the epidemic would take place, the people that would return would become Christ followers because of the example of the church in the, in the, in the region of Colossae. They, they would stick it out and they would believe and trust God to do some amazing things in the middle of this. And that would speak volumes to the people that had left. And when the people returned, all of a sudden it was like, how, how did you guys make it through it? It's because the church was in the middle of it. So listen, church, we're not supposed to run. We're supposed to be in the middle of it. We're supposed to trust God for greater hope and greater faith and greater love in the middle of circumstances. And so he, really cool example, but also what would happen during this time of how they showed greater love is there was a lot of unwanted, unwanted babies in, in Colossae. And what would happen is the church would step up and the church would adopt all the children. Come on. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine if people just started, and I know some of you in here have adopted children, I've adopted a child, some of you want to adopt children. Listen to me today, that, that, there was, that was the way they showed greater love to their community in that season was they adopted the children. So they, they hung out with the sick, and they adopted children, and they made a difference in their community because they showed greater love. How many know that's what Jesus wants for our planet? God, that's what Jesus wants for us in our church, is that we would be people that would show greater love. Bible says that Epaphras loved people the way Jesus loved people. He came back to his community and he loved people. What he saw come out of Paul of this greater hope and this love and how Jesus impacted Epaphras's life. He came back and he started loving, loving everybody. And as he started loving everybody, people started coming to Jesus. And as he started coming to Jesus, he started a church called the Church of Colossae. And I mean, that thing wasn't small. It was big. And God just used that man in that moment because he learned how to love and value people. What if that was said of us? What if they heard of our faith but also saw our love? What if they saw that this place called Real Life Church or your family or your home or, or, or you as a person was a person that oozed the love of God and you walked in a greater love? Do you know when you walk in a greater love around people that are loveless or hopeless that it creates a greater hope and faith in them that allows them that, man, they can't pick themselves up, but when you come along with a greater love that you're able to pick them up and walk with them for a season that says, hey, baby, it's going to work out. It's going to be okay. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Man, God's got a great plan for your life. He's not going to let you go under. He's taking you over. Come on, baby. We're going to walk right through it. And listen to me. That's the type of church that our community wants is people that will come alongside and just grab a hold of somebody's hand and begin to walk them through the love of God. And finally, greater confidence. Out of this greater hope comes a greater confidence. And greater confidence is this. It is your attitude to help you see the future differently. Greater faith comes to help you see circumstances differently. Uh, greater love comes to help you see people differently and to value people. And greater confidence is your attitude to help you see the future differently. Regardless of what's going on in our society, regardless of what's happening all around us, we see something different. That the church cannot blend in with its answer. It has to stand out with a standard. It, 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 can't, it can't blend in with its answer. It has to stand out with a standard. And that standard is not just R, 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 and no lifestyle. These two things must come together. 
It must be a loving answer to a world that is hurting, and it must be exemplified for our, through our lifestyle. And so it gives us a greater confidence. When a greater hope comes, it gives us a greater confidence. We have a, 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 more, or, or a, a different view of the future. Colossians 1, 4, and 5 says it this way. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and for your love for all of God's people, which come, listen, here's where they come from, your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. Now, you think about that for just a minute. How does confidence come? Because you know on the other side of this thing, there's a place called heaven. There's a place where the Savior of the world lives. There's a place where the saints of old have gone and, 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 and loved ones of ours have gone to this place called heaven. And the Bible tells us that we're to live with this expectant hope within our heart about that place called heaven. And it creates this confidence in us. That's why we want to rescue as many people as we can. Why? Because we know there's a place called heaven. But in reality, what makes heaven so sweet is the reality that there is a hell. Do you know most of the generation that's coming up doesn't believe there's a hell? Listen to me today. What makes heaven sweet is the fact that you can pull people out of an eternity of a place called hell and, and, and help them transfer in their next steps to become a Christ follower, to help them move into the direction that God has. But listen to me, your lifestyle is filled with confidence because you know there's a hope over there. That hope's called heaven. That place is where Jesus is. There's going to be a day where we're going to receive rewards from heaven. He's going to put a crown on your head, and that crown's going to be simply taken off with all its bling bling in it, and you're going to set it at the feet of Jesus. Some of you only got one stone in there because you ain't, you ain't really doing much. But it's okay. It's one stone. Get your one stone. Get stoned. Come on, somebody. No, not really. Don't do it. Amen. It's not worth it. <laughs> Amen. Take the crown, and you're going to lay it at the feet of Jesus. That's our greater confidence. We have this greater confidence in our life. The confident hope allows us to bounce back. It allows us not to just take it, not to just sit back and allow it to knock us over, but it's a confidence that allows us to bounce back, a greater confidence in our life. Listen to me, sometimes circumstances don't need to change. What needs to change is our thinking about what Jesus thinks about the situation. Let me say that again. Some of you want God just to extract you out of a circumstance. What if God doesn't want to extract you out of it? What if he's trying to get you to think differently about it? What if he's getting you to think differently about the situation to where then you can think like he thinks, and all of a sudden he moves in, and he, he changes the situation instead of taking you out of it, because you got a little bit of boo-boo. He's not going to take you out of it. He's going to leave you in it, because he's developing something in you in the middle of it. Come on, somebody. He's putting a confidence in your heart. He's putting a confidence in your heart. So stop asking God to take you out of certain circumstances when that situation that you were in was designed to help you think differently so you can see differently. It produces a greater confidence in us. So there's things that produce a greater confidence in us about Jesus. And the first thing is his identity. Again, Christ is the visible likeness of the invisible God. Everything you need to know about God is found in the person and the work of Jesus. So why do I have confidence? It's because I know his identity. I know what he, how he operates. I know how he moves. I know how he loves. I know how he gives. I know how he's generous. I know how he, he loves. And all of a sudden, as I start to see his identity— and I start to see the identity of the Lord, it produces this confidence in me. As I start to see how God moves and interacts with human beings and mankind, it produces this confidence in me. 
Another thing that produces confidence in me is his importance. Not only his identity, but his importance. Colossians 1.17 says, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is in front of everything, is what the scripture tells us. So listen, he needs to be first in your life in front of everything. See, confidence doesn't come if you're the leader. Confidence doesn't come if you think it's your sufficiency to pull off your life. It's not until God comes and brings this importance of where he is in the priorities and the position of your life. Where, where does he fit within this? Is he one or is he five? Because if he's five, you're out of order. You need to pray the John 3.30 prayer. God, I pray that you get greater and greater and I get less than less. See, it produces a confidence in us when we know he's in front. Because guess what? We don't have to pull it off. All we got to do is stand and see the salvation of the Lord. I was reading about Jehoshaphat this week, and I was, I was watching this show about these, uh, these survivorless. And they go out into the different areas of the world, and they get dropped into this area, and there's stuff, and they're like given a scene. Like parachuter fell out of the thing, and there's stuff. And so they got to take the parachute and the piece of tape and figure out how to beat an elephant in Africa. It's crazy. And so there they are, they're in the middle of this, and they, they, they were in Africa at this one point, and uh, <clears throat> it was out in the middle of nowhere, and there was elephant dung everywhere. I mean, they knew, <laughs> we just dropped into an elephant-infested zone. And you guys think, oh, elephants, they're so cute at the zoo, they're the one, not in the wild, they're crazy, okay? They will attack you, and they will stomp over you, and they don't care about you, okay? And so these guys, what they did was, was they were walking down this trail, and all of a sudden, two male elephants came out. And as they came out, they were, they were huffing, man. And they were doing their, 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 their ears, were, and their ears sound like airplanes. And I mean, it's, they're loud, and they're angry. And the one guy, he's an army vet, and he says, listen, do this. Just stand still and be big. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And this guy over here is like, okay, let's see what that does. And so they stand there and they stand completely still and they hold their position and they look big. They don't react. They don't panic. They don't get nervous. They just stand there. And the elephants kind of do their thing, do their stuff. And then they just gently, they just, they, they, they walk away. These guys held their position and they stood still and didn't panic. I want you to understand something today. This is the picture of the Lord and confidence in our life, is that we need to position ourselves to where we know that if we stand still in our position in Christ, which is what I'm teaching on, is that when we stand still in our position in Christ and get big in Christ, every devil that tries to resist you must walk away. Every devil that comes against you must walk away. Every circumstance that comes against you, it must walk away. He says, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. How do you resist the devil? You don't, you don't, uh, you know, I'll bind you in the name of Jesus. That's, there's places for that. But how do you resist the devil? You submit yourself to God. He said, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. How do you resist? You stand submitted in your position in Christ. And you know that there's coming this greater faith, this greater love, this greater confidence. Why? It's because it's based on my identity in Christ. It's based on him being first in my life. And he'll, I'll do just like what Jehoshaphat said. I'll just stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And at the end of it, I'm just going to praise and bring all the gold home of where the enemy was brought confusion into the enemy's camp, and God took it over and won the war. Come on, somebody. 
So importance, then finally influence. Influence. He's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning. This is, first, this is Colossians 1.18. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Listen, I have greater hope because Jesus is the head. He's the head of the body, is what the scripture says. He's the brains of this operation. Listen, and here's what, I've had people ask me before, you know, we got people struggling with COVID. You know, we've come through COVID. We went through this whole craziness for 18 months and 2020, and it was just wild and all those sorts of stuff. We made a move to this building and, and all this stuff. People ask me, are you okay, pastor? I'm great. I'm not panicking about anything. I'm not nervous about anything. I have no fear in my life whatsoever. I'm not nervous. I'm not fearful. Why? Because I'm not the head of the church. And if I expect that my, my, my abilities is to build you, then I'm out of order. I'm supposed to just simply equip you to allow Jesus to build you. And when Jesus builds you, the Bible says the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. So I'm not nervous. He's the head of the church, RLC. Listen, newsflash, Jesus is the head of this church. We take all our cues from him. He is supreme, and we will stay in alignment, and that's why I can get up here today and declare the best is yet to come for this church and this community and this region and those that are watching and their families and this, gone. I believe in Jesus' name the best is yet to come. Where does this come from? You know, Pastor, that's just a really cool saying. That's a cool saying. I'm not trying to be cool. I'm trying to let you know prophetically, I don't give a rip about what's going on. The best is yet to come because Jesus is still on his throne. And let me tell you, he's the builder of the church. And no matter what society says, the church ain't over. It's not under. There's a remnant of people right here in Springboro and those that are watching that I believe that he's building and he's growing. And we're going to stick our finger in the face of the enemy and say, you will not prevail on our watch. Because there's a greater hope in us. And he's the head and we're the body. Come on, some of you feel like the pinky toe. You know, Colossians also tells us that he put all things under his feet, him being the head of all things to the church. So listen to me today. Even if you feel like the pinky toe, Everything, principalities, powers, situations, they're all under your feet. Even if you feel like the pinky toe, it's still under your feet. It doesn't matter how you feel today. You're the part of the body of Christ and he's head and he put everything underneath his body. So he's telling the body, listen, stomp your foot on the head of the thing that has got you bound or broken or busted or disgusted and put your foot on the top of the devil and tell him, listen, you do not reign in my life. Sickness does not reign. Debt does not reign. Poverty does not reign in Jesus' name over my life. Because he's the head and we're the body. Come on, we're the body of Christ. What's up? We're the body of Christ. Even if you feel like the pinky toe, all crusted and needs some shaving. Jesus put authority in the pinky toe. Come on, somebody. And so God wants to use us in greater faith and walk around with the greater hope. I'm going to close with this verse. Whew. Boy, I'm wore out. Colossians 1 says it this way. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. 
He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms on earth. He made the things we see and the things we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. Let's close our eyes and bow our heads this morning. If you're in this place today, you say, Pastor, I've never received Jesus as the Lord and Savior of my life. I, don't, I can't have greater hope. I can't have greater faith because Jesus isn't the Lord of my life right now. I'm, Jesus, J- Jesus is not number one. We go back to the priority situation, the importance of him being number one in your life. If he's not number one in your life, listen to me, you're out of order. You can't expect the blessings of the Lord biblically to come upon your life if it's out of order. If you just think it's your, your skill set and how great you are at doing certain things, that's great, God gave you that, but he never put it in front of himself. So if you're in this place today and you say, Pastor, I need Jesus to be the Lord of my life today. I need to get him back into number one. If that's you, will you do me a favor? Will you raise up your hand? I want to pray for you this morning. Anybody at all says, that's me. I need Jesus, the Lord of my life. I see your hand right here in the front. Who else? Anybody? Maybe you're watching online today and you'd say, hey, I need Jesus to be the Lord of my life. Will you do me a favor and just type the word yes there in the comments. We want to pray for you today. We believe God's going to do some great things. Church, I'm excited for what God's doing. And I believe he's bringing a greater, he's going to position us in a way to where we come back to the bait. Man, I just, I hear that word and I've heard that word for two weeks. The church just has to come back to the basics of who Jesus is. And out of that stems everything else of your life. And so we want to pray together with this one that said yes to Christ today. Let's, let's, just, let's just all pray out loud together. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me, to raise from the dead for me. Thank you today for forgiving me. I am a sinner. I need you as my Savior. So come into my heart. Make me a brand new person. Old things pass away and all things become new. I thank you today for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand clap. Come on, they said yes to Jesus. Thanks again for listening to our podcast. Be sure to connect with us on social media, the RLC app, and online at livereallife.com.